You're listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Highland Baptist Church, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Josh Hilton. That this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 as we uh, continue walking through the, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7 is where we'll find our text this morning. Uh, as you're turning there, let me, uh, let me take us to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be gathered together in your house. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray now that, that as we open up your word, that you would use it to speak to us today. Lord, that, Lord the words that are on uh, the pages of your truth would be what's heard and not the words that are on my page over here. Lord, use me to be your mouthpiece. Speak through me. But Lord, I pray that your word would not fall on deaf ears this morning. That we would all hear from you. And God, that we would uh, be changed through being in your presence today. But God, we promise to give you all the glory for anything that you do in this place. Lord, speak to us now. Allow us to learn from you. And we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This, this morning I've entitled the message, Judgment-Free Zone. A judgment-free zone. Uh, and and uh, you'll understand that as we walk into uh, the passage this morning. But uh, one of the things that, that I've been thinking about this week is, if there is a place that is judgment-free, it should be God's house. If there is a place where people can walk through the doors... And feel accepted for whatever it is they have going on. Whatever it is that they're walking through. Whatever it is they're, they're dealing with. No matter what life is. If there is a place that should be judgment free. It should be God's house. But unfortunately that's not the reality for a lot of people. A lot of people don't attend church today. Because of how people have treated them in the past inside the church. Uh, the, the church has, has gotten... A bad rap because of the way people have felt judged and not loved when they've walked through those doors. I'm not just talking about Highland Baptist Church. I'm talking about uh, the global church itself. I've heard over the years from so many people the reason that they don't go to church is because uh, they weren't welcomed in that place. In the places that they've tried. And, and the unfortunate part is that Satan will use that to keep them from going somewhere else. They'll say, hey, all Christians are the same. Everybody deals with, uh, everybody's going to view you the same as, as everybody else has. And so uh, they're not going to be any different than the other church you went to at a younger age or anything like that. And so unfortunately, the reality of some folks outside of these walls is that the church is not a judgment-free zone. But in order to go to church, you've got to have everything together. You've got to have, your appearance has to be right. You've got to seem like everything is good before the church will accept you. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's not our story. We were not accepted because everything was good. We were accepted because God showed us that He is good. And God showed us that, that He loves us no matter what. And we're supposed to be that picture as well. We're supposed to be that picture that the world sees as a place. Not, not accepting everything that they do, but loving them for who they are. And that is a creation of the King. 
That's where we're supposed to be. And I believe that as we walk through what Jesus talks about here in in, uh, Matthew chapter 7, how he starts this chapter off, I believe that that is what he is pointing the church to, what he's pointing his followers to. We've just wrapped up this whole idea of not worrying about tomorrow and and not not walking through all of these different things with with crazy anxiety and and, uh, just trusting God to take care of things. And then he moves into this passage that may feel very disjointed, but it's not. Because the thing about it is, Jesus is showing his followers, he says, I just told you not to worry about the things that you're walking through. But so often we worry about what everybody else is doing before we ever turn our focus on to us. We get, we get our focus shifted on the wrong things. And, and that's what he's talking about here in Matthew chapter 7. But before we actually get into the text, I want us to, to talk about this one word that I believe the definition has changed over the years. And that's judgment. Judgment in, our, in, in today's society carries, uh, when we judge somebody, it carries such a heavy negative connotation to it. That if we're judging somebody, that we're automatically casting them aside for something it is that they have done. When we're judging people, it is something that, that carries a, a weight that I don't think was intended with the word. But our society has taken that word. And this, this first verse is going to sound very familiar because a lot of people throw that out and saying, hey, you can't judge me for what it is that I do. Well, there's just a lot of misconception in, in all of that. And so this morning, I, I want us to take that liberty, and I believe that if you read through this passage, that for our sakes, for us to truly understand what it is that Jesus is wanting us to do, and to take the word out of the societal hands that it is in judgment is I would prefer that we'd use the word examine because I think that's what Jesus is talking about here he's talking about examining who we are and who other people are because judgment is it's just one of those that even in in my mind I look and go it's it's hard to say that word and view it in the right context because judgment is simply this here here's the the definition for it. Judgment is the process of forming an opinion or evaluation by discerning and comparing. That's all judgment is. The process of forming an opinion or evaluation by discerning and comparing. Now, but if we, if we take that into the 2023 way that we use that word, that our society throws that word out, it doesn't carry that weight where we're examining circumstances where we are forming an opinion, where we're evaluating through discernment and comparing what it is we see. No, judgment in our time looks like, hey, I'm judging you for the things that you do wrong. That's the weight that it carries today. And so for our purposes, I I want us to go back to the original intent of the word judgment, that process of forming an opinion doesn't have to be a negative opinion. It can be a positive opinion. That process of evaluating through discernment. Allowing God to show us a clear picture. So that we can understand people better. And therefore when we understand people better we can reach them with the gospel. Because that's what Jesus is talking about here as we look at this process here. So... 
for our intents and purposes this morning, I want us to think when we hear the word judge or judgment, we're examining ourselves or we're examining others so that we get a better picture of what Jesus is talking about. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. I honestly don't know that there is a verse that is quoted more by non-believers than that verse right there. They look and go, hey, the Bible tells you you're not supposed to judge lest you be judged. If you go back to how many of us learned it growing up. Society is quick to tell us that, hey, you have a scripture that tells you that you're not supposed to judge me. You have scripture in, in, in what you call God's holy word that says, hey, you, you're not supposed to look at me that way. You're not supposed to judge me. You don't have the right to say what it is that I'm doing is wrong. The reality of it is I don't have that right because I've got a lot of things that, that I'm judged for myself. What I can do is I can clearly paint what the picture of what scripture says that you are doing is wrong. And I can still love you through that. And so what Jesus is saying here, he said, uh, it says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And we've got to understand that he is not saying that we don't examine the lives of people. We have to do a careful examination. If you're wanting to take notes, that's going to be our first point in these first two verses. Is careful examination is what we're looking for here. We're not looking for judgment. We're not looking to, to cast people aside and say, hey, you know what? You're not worth the gospel. You're not worth uh, a, a, a life uh, of eternity in heaven because of what you've done. That is not my place. I cannot look at you and say, hey, you know what, I, I know your past, I know what you've walked through, so you don't deserve Jesus. I, I, am not, I don't sit in that seat. I don't have that kind of power. There's not a person in this room that has that kind of power. And so what Jesus is saying here is that we've got to take a careful examination. And, and although we hear that verse 1 quoted by society, hey, you can't judge me, judge not, uh, so that you will not be judged, they forget what verse 2 says. Verse 2 says, for in the way you judge, so there gives some liberty for that. Jesus said, hey, don't be careful how you judge. Be careful how you judge, because he says in verse 2, For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And this is what we got to be careful about. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So Jesus is not just saying, hey, you know what? you gotta, you got to give everybody a pass on everything that's going on. No, he's saying we've got to examine what's going on. He's going to start with the place that we're supposed to start with our examination. And that's here. That examination needs to start at home. It needs to start with ourselves. It needs to start internally. But in the first part here, he's saying, hey, don't judge so that you'll not be judged. For in the way you judge, you'll be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. The reality of it is, is the church, the, the church has missed this point. We judge. We're, we're judgmental people. By nature, we do that. We are going to examine what we see. For some of you, your, your past has caused you to be even more careful in your examination than you were before because you've been burned by people. And so now you see some of those traits and you go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread on thin ice here 
parents, you, you walk around with your kids, and, and guess what? The things you notice at, at Walmart or at, at Target or any of the places that you go, the grocery store, wherever it is that you shop, you, you now start to notice things that you didn't notice before you had kids. Because now you're, you're mindful to your surroundings more so than you've ever been. And I'm not saying, hey, we got to walk through world and, and we just turn a blind eye to everything. That's not what Scripture is saying here either. We examine things. But what he is telling us is, is if you're willing to cast judgment on somebody else, if you're willing to examine them, guess what? That's going to be the same tape measure that's used to examine you. And for many of us, we look and go, hey, you know what? I can, I, can, I can point out the faults in somebody else. I can point out what it is somebody else is walking through. But that's not the standard that I want to be measured by. Well, Scripture is very clear that we've got to do a careful examination to look and go, hey, you know what? Whatever it is I'm examining other people by, that's the same lens that I need to turn to myself and examine myself by. If you're willing to give yourself grace, you need to be willing to give other people grace. If you're willing to look and go, hey, you know what, this is, this is something that, that, that they're walking through, and we're going to say, hey, you know what, that's just not right. Well, what are the things that you're walking through that's not right? What are those things that that, that standard of measure has to be the same? It's not fair for other people who may or may not have a relationship with the Lord for you to look and go, hey, you know what? You're not living up to this standard when you can't look at the, in the mirror yourself and say, I'm living up to that standard. As a church, we've, we've missed the mark on the fact that we've got to be careful how we examine other people. That standard of measure has to be the same. I can't call you out for things that I'm not willing to call myself out for. I can't walk through things and ask you to do stuff that I'm not willing to do myself. Because that's a double standard. And Jesus is saying here, he tells, tells his followers, he says, don't judge so that, you will, so, so that you will not be judged. Because in the same way that you're judged, you'll be, you, that you do judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. He is not saying that we don't examine stuff. And we'll find the purpose for that when we get down to verse 6. He's not saying that we don't look at things and, and understand what it is that's going on around us. He wants us to be mindful of what's happening in the world. He wants us to be mindful of our surroundings. He wants us to do things. And you want to know why he wants us to be that? Because he desires for you to reach the people that you're around. He wants you to understand what people are walking through so that you can be his hands and feet for them. Earlier in this Sermon on the Mount, he called us to be salt and light. It's really hard for us to be light and salt if we're not willing to look at our surroundings and do what Paul did and become all things to all people. That's what we have to do. We have to know what's going on. We have to be able to discern and interpret what people are walking through so that we can reach them as God has called us to do that. So the purpose of those first two verses is not to say, hey, you don't have the right to judge. The purpose of those first two verses says, if you're going to judge somebody, it needs to be by the same standard that you're judging yourself. So if you're giving yourself some grace, they need some grace too. Because they're probably walking through some hard stuff. 
One of the things that, that I, I'm learning as, as we walk through life together is that I never know somebody's background. Even if I know your story, I don't know what you're walking through today. Even if I know the things that you've struggled with in the past, I don't fully understand how they've affected you in the decision making that you have today. Just as you don't understand how my past affects me and how I make my decisions. And so I can't make assumptions about what you're walking through. Because guess what? Your circumstances, although we may have walked through something similar, your circumstances may be a little different than mine. And I want you to give me grace to be able to explain myself. I want you to give me grace when I mess up. I want you to show me that favor from time to time. Hold me accountable, but show me that favor. And i got to be willing to do the same for you. That's that standard of measure that we have to be careful about that we find there in verses 1 and 2. So we have to make careful examination. But in these next four verses, Jesus talks about what that examination needs to look like. And he spends a whole lot of time talking about what we shouldn't do and where we got to start more so than what he does with how we examine others. He says, "You first, you've got to examine yourself. Verse, verse 3 says, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is, is in your own eye? Verse 5 says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus here once again uses a hyperbole like he loves to do in his illustrations. He goes to that extreme, just like he did with a camel going through the eye of a needle. We're looking and going, hey, that's, that's impossible. Well, Jesus is just trying to show you how serious this is. And he knew what the church was going to be like 2,000 years later. And he knew that we were still going to struggle with the things that his followers struggled with in that day. That history had shown was an issue for them all the way through. Is that we're so quick to look at people and call out their faults, but we don't see the issues that we have. We can see that little speck, the little small things that somebody else struggles with. And we say, hey, you know what, brother, you got to deal with that. I see that issue that it's going to be a big deal. If you don't take care of it right now, this, is, this could be detrimental to you while we're standing there and we've got a big old log in the middle of our eye where we can barely see out of it. Jesus said, hey, why, why are you looking at other people going, hey, here's your faults, here's your failures, here's all the things that you're dealing with, but you won't look in the mirror and go, hey, there's all the things that I'm struggling with. There's the things that I'm walking through. There's the things that, hey, I hope nobody else sees. There's the things that, that I hope nobody else notices about me, but we're so quick to call out that little bitty thing that is in the life of someone else. Jesus said, if you're going to examine others, you've got to start with yourself. Y'all know me, I, I try to picture these things, and, and this week I've been picturing this, this, this eye doctor. Uh, many of you have probably been to an eye doctor. I know they do it, routine checkups and stuff for kids now, and uh, I've, I, I've had glasses when I was younger, and so I, I'd gone to the eye doctor uh, several times. I'm fortunate enough that uh, currently, um, give it a few years, I'll be back in them, uh, but currently I'm still making it through, uh, able to read without them, uh, but 
I, I picture that eye doctor, and you're, you're sitting in that chair. You, you've got, uh, you're, you're sitting in that chair, and this, this eye doctor comes in. He's a new, a new eye doctor, new to you at least. And I picture this old, frail man with some thick, I'm talking thick frames on, walks in, and I'm sitting in the chair. My first thought is, how is this man going to tell me what I can see and I can't see? Because them things, are, they've got the old Coke bottle lenses in there that are about the, the width of your thumb. And you're looking and going, he can't see anything because of the way his glasses are. I can barely see his eyeballs. So in my mind, I get this picture. And, and you're looking and going, Josh, that's ridiculous. It may be. That dude may be very, very good at his job. But in my mind, I'm looking and my snap judgment is, how is this person going to be able to tell me what I can see and what I can't see? When he's got to lean up real close to that... Big old frame they put in front of your face to adjust the numbers so he can see them. And he's looking and going, hey, sir, you're going to need glasses. I'm thinking I'm going to need a second opinion. That's what I'm thinking. Do, do you have somebody here that at least wears contacts? Uh, so I don't see what it is that I'm dealing with. We laugh and we joke, but the reality of it is that's exactly what we do when we walk out into the world. We look at people, and, and, and you know what? Their vision may be better than ours. The issues that they're walking through may be smaller than the things we're doing. But we walk in there and go, hey, you know what? You've got a problem, buddy. You've got something wrong with you. We are that eye doctor that can't really see. And we're telling other people how they need to see. We're that person that, that is, is carrying stuff that we're like, hey, I don't want anybody to know about my baggage. But by golly, if I get the chance, I'll tell you about your baggage. That's the reality of believers today. That's what the world is seeing from believers today. They're not seeing someone who is loving and accepting. They're seeing someone who is willing to say, hey, you know what? You're not doing it right. We're so quick to look. And the truth may be they may not have a relationship with Jesus. But the last thing they want to hear you, hear you say is, you know what? If you continue down that road, you're going to hell. Especially when they don't know you that well. Especially when they've not walked through life with you. That may be the truth. But when all they feel is judgment, when all they feel is somebody calling them out for the things that they struggle with, we act like people choose to live in sin because it's just the easy thing to do. But in reality, we have those same struggles, and we realize that it's hard for us to get out of that sin. It's hard for us to get past that temptation. It's hard for us to deal with that. You know, you may be doing it daily. You may be trying to lay that down, and guess what? It's still going to rear its ugly head. It's still going to creep up. It's still going to trip you up from time to time. But we're so quick to look and go, I can't believe you struggle with that. I can't believe you deal with that. Because that's not our struggle. You may look at somebody and go, I, I don't know why they turned to drinking. Stuff tastes horrible anyways. It's not a problem for you. But it may be the way that they cope with something. They've done it so long that they struggle to change their coping mechanism. You may say, hey, I don't know why they struggle with this addiction or that addiction. Maybe it's something serious. Maybe it's a porn addiction. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's drugs. And we look and go, I don't know how they struggle with those things. 
We don't understand it because that's not our individual struggle. But we're quick to look and go, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stop doing those things? Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just stop worrying about things? Maybe their struggle is their anxiety. Maybe their struggle is letting control go. It didn't have to be something major that society looks and says it's a problem. It may be things that feel very normal, but that's their struggle. And you're like, why don't you just forget about it? Why don't you just let that sweep under the rug? Truth of reality is, we're so quick to judge other people before we ever look in the mirror and go, hey, do you have all your ducks in a row? Have you taken that log out of your eye before you start analyzing the little specks in somebody else's? Jesus used this illustration, this example, to call us out because honestly, as people, we're, we just want to be worried about other people. We'd rather spend our time looking at other people going, huh, I can't believe they'd do this. I can't believe they'd do that. When God's looking at you going, why haven't you dealt with this? Why haven't you dealt with that? Why, why are you not trying to reach those people? That's right, because you don't have the capacity to right now because you're not dealing with your own sin. We like to worry about what other people are walking through. One of my favorite stories in Scripture, uh, it'll be up on the screen, John, John chapter 21. Peter, in the midst of his restoration, they've just had breakfast on the beach Peter gets asked those three questions. Do you love me? And he answers it three different ways. We're not going into all of that. But he's asked those questions. Do you love me? And then Jesus tells him how he's going to die. So now stuff just got real. He's looking and going, okay, Jesus just said, hey, guess what? You've told me you love me. I believe you. You've answered it three times. Well, this is how you're going to die. This is how you're going to lose your life. And then he tells him to follow me in verse 19. But look what it says in verse 20. And this is so many of us today. Peter, turning around. Remember, this guy had denied Jesus three times. He had spent time out in public going, Hey, I don't know that man because I don't want to die today. So he said, I don't know that man. I don't know him. I'm not one of them. And then he walked through that guilt and that shame of having denied his Lord. The one that he had told just moments before, hey, we'll go wherever you want me to. The one that's believed to cut off the ear of one of the guards. He's going to fight for him. And then he denied him. Have no doubt that he spent those three days while Jesus was in the tomb. And even some of those days after, just beating himself up. Saying, hey, I, man, I screwed up now. I spent three and a half years with this man. And I said, I told people I didn't know him. And so now all my hope is gone. I cannot believe that I did that. And then Jesus meets them on the beach. They have breakfast together with the disciples. Because he was like, I'm going fishing. He, he had to find something to cope with everything that he had just walked through. He said, I'm going fishing. Well, he gets to this point where Jesus says, hey, I understand that you love me, son. And this is what you're going to do. This is, this is what it's going to be. He said, I just want you to follow me. And in verse 20, Peter said, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So it's Peter and Jesus. They're walking. 
down the shoreline. You get that picture in your mind. They're walking down the beach away from the fire and all the other people that are there. And John's behind him. John is the, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, following them, the one who had also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? This was someone who was close to Jesus. And Peter had just gotten this news of what was going to happen to him. In verse 21, so Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about that man? See, the thing about it is, for us, sometimes we get so concerned about what God's going to call everybody else to do, what sin everybody else is walking through, what, what things that people are dealing with, that we forget to look and go, hey, here's where I am. So in the midst of Peter's restoration, you would think that he's looking and going, hey, I've got another chance, guys. I get the opportunity to continue to follow Jesus. I thought I'd wasted it all. I thought I blew my chance. I get the chance to follow him. And, he, and we're walking together on the beach and he sees John and he's like, but how's John going to die? What about him, Jesus? You just told me some stuff that was really hard for me to hear. So what about him? He starts to worry about other people. And verse, 21 says, or verse 22 says, Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? He said, what does it matter what I've called somebody else to do? What does it matter what their life story is? What does it matter how they're going to die, how they're going to live? None of that matters. The only thing that matters is how he finishes verse 22. He says, you follow me. He said, stop worrying about everybody else. Look at yourself in the mirror and make sure that you're following me and then everything else will fall into place. That's the same reality that we see here over in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is looking at him and said, why do you keep calling other people out when you haven't dealt with your own junk? Why do you keep calling other people out when you're not dealing with what it is you're walking through? Why do you keep pointing fingers at everybody else when you won't look at yourself in the mirror because you're disgusted with your own sin and guilt and shame? You need to start here. He said, look in the mirror before you start examining everybody else. He said, today, church, the, the reality is so many of us look and go, hey, I want to see what they're doing. When what Jesus wants us to do, he wants us to be so focused on him, and we don't know any, anybody else is around. We can't get called up on whether or not somebody else is serving because we've got our hands dirty. We're washing those dishes. We're still working. We're still serving. We can't look around and go, hey, well, why are they not doing anything? It doesn't matter. You're busy serving the Lord because that's what he's asked you to do. But too many times, many times we get focused on what everybody else is called to and how unfair that is. I can look and go, why didn't you call them to be preachers? Why didn't you call them to carry people's burdens? Why did you call them to walk through loss and pain and suffering with people? Lord, why did you call them 
to deal with the questions. The reality is I can't control what God has called you to do. I can't control what God has called me to do. All I can do is be obedient to where he's called me. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He says, hey, folks, you know what you need to do? You need to look in the mirror before you start looking around. We need to take a selfie before we start taking pictures and looking at everybody else. We need to look at us and say, hey, this is, this is where Josh is. And how about when I fix where Josh is, then I'll be in a place to help y'all find where you need to be. The good thing about y'all is you've got plenty of time to get your stuff right before I start looking around because Josh is messed up. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to get that log out of my eye before I start looking and going, hey, you got a little spot on yours. Jesus is saying, you got to start at home before you start looking at other people. you got to start here before you start looking and saying, hey, those are messed up folks. There are. There's a lot of messed up folks in the world. We see that in the news. We see that through everything. You, you may live close to some of them. If your neighbors are in the room, don't look at them, please. There's messed up people in the world. We know that. We deal with that. If you don't see that, ask these students up here. They'll tell you there's some messed up folks out there. Some of them they sit in class with. Some of them they pass by in the hallways. The world's a different place than when many of us grew up. But I believe the reason the world is a different place is because the church has gotten to the point where we're so willing and quick to call everything else out without dealing what's on the inside. I honestly believe that if we were to address ourselves individually, if we got us right, if everybody would commit to getting us right, then Highland would get to the place where Highland is right, and then God could use Highland to reach people to show them that they're not living right, that they're not doing what it is God created them to do. But the thing is, we can't just walk out those doors and yell at people and tell them, hey, you're doing it all wrong we got to start here and allow God to change us. And when he changes us, then we can go out and help change other folks. Not by our power, but by his. First thing we got to do is we've got to examine ourselves. Stop worrying about what God's called other people to do and worry about what he's called you to do. Then he moves into what's the last verse that we're going to cover this morning. And this one gets a little bit tricky. You've got to dig into it a little bit. But verse 6 leads us to this idea that we do have the ability to examine others. Once we've examined ourselves, we can examine others. Verse 6 says, Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Some of y'all know more about pigs than I do. I know I don't want to be in the pen with them when they're hungry because they'll eat anything. Absolutely anything. Hey, and if they're, if they're crazy, I've, I've seen some of those videos where they trap those wild boars out there in them big cages. And when that cage drops and those pigs start running, stuff gets tore up. Bad stuff happens because pigs are crazy. 
In that day and time, both pigs and dogs were considered very unclean. If, if you were called either one of those, that's about the ugliest name people could call you in that time. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine. What is holy refers to the teachings of Scripture, just as pearls do. We may call them nuggets of wisdom today, but in that day and time, they called them pearls. Those little pearls were, were the, the sayings that Jesus had given them, the teachings that he had offered to them. And he says, hey, you know what? Don't, uh, don't give what is holy to dogs and don't throw your pearls before swine or they'll trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The big picture of what he's talking about here, he says, you've got to understand who it is you're dealing with. He says, some people don't need right off the bat for you to throw out your best understanding of Scripture. Sometimes what that person needs is to see that somebody actually cares about them. Somebody actually loves them for who they are. Not for not judging them for what they've done. And so what Jesus is saying here is we've got to examine other people. If we ever want to fulfill the mission that we've done, we've got to be able to see the scene for the way it is. He said, I'm not, I'm not saying that you've got to go out there and call them out. Some people you're close enough to, you're saying, hey, you know what? I can call that brother out for the things that they do because we've got that type of relationship. God's allowed you to, to get to that place where you can finally throw some pearls in front of them. I'm not calling them pigs or dogs, but just saying, hey, you can give them some of those nuggets of wisdom. You can speak truth into their life because God's already allowed you to have that relationship with them. There's some people in your life that you can call them out. Because you've walked through those valleys with them. But there's also people that God's saying, hey, take your time. God's saying, no, well, don't, don't start with that. I know you can tell that to Bill over here, but you can't tell that to George. Because George isn't ready for that. So when he's, when he's looking at us saying, hey, you know what, you, you've examined yourself, you've seen where you are, you've dealt with the things that you have. Once we get in the right place with God, then he gives us that opportunity to speak truth to other people. For some people, though, it's going to take years for you to be able to speak the truth that you ultimately want to share with them. You want to tell them that, hey, without a saving relationship uh, with, with the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, you will spend all eternity in hell. You want them to spend eternity with you in heaven. But oftentimes, we can't just walk straight into that con uh, conversation and say, hey, if you don't get right, you're going to die and go to hell. With those ears just closed, that heart just closed to whatever it is you've built up with them. Because it wasn't the right time. And Jesus says, hey, folks, what you've got to do is you've got to be careful to throw out the seed at the right time. If you want that seed to grow, if you want that seed to fall onto good soil, you're going to have to give it time. You've got to see, you've got to analyze where they're at. You've got to focus on what they're walking through. You've got to examine their situation and know that, hey, I, I can't just walk into the room and call you out for your sin. 
you got to know that I care about you first. You got to know that I love you. You got to know that the things that I do say, I say out of love. And that comes from a relationship with somebody. There are moments where God allows you to knock on a door and the harvest is just ready. And you get the opportunity to lead them there. Maybe somebody you've never met. And you may be able to lead them to Christ. Right there in the, the line at the grocery store. Maybe they're at the gas pump at the gas station. Maybe it's somebody uh, that, that you've just never known. And you get to go on a mission trip. And everything's right. And you get that opportunity that the first conversation you have with them, God uses it to lead them into a relationship with Him. But the reality of it is, is those chances are probably a lot slimmer. Those instances are far less than the ones you have with your coworkers that God's saying, hey, give it some time. Keep working. Keep living how I've called you to live. Keep, keep putting some of those conversations out there. Keep having those small conversations. And one day, it's going to be a bigger conversation where you're going to be able to show them what it is you really want them to know. Maybe it's those conversations with those family members. And some of y'all are saying, Josh, I wish that would have happened 20, 25 years ago. But I've been praying for them. Keep working. Keep examining that situation. Keep pouring into those times. Keep waiting for that opportunity where God opens the door and says, okay, now it's time for you to talk to them about me. But the reality of it is, sometimes we've got those long relationships before we can throw the pearls in front of them. Every once in a while, we get those, those God moments where he says, go ahead and throw it. I'm already there. I've already been working. Somebody else has already laid the groundwork. Somebody else has already been watering. You just get to harvest. Jesus says, you've got to examine that situation. You've got to know what it is you're walking into before you just start throwing those pearls at them. Before you start hitting them over the head with the Bible, you got to know what it is that you're dealing with. One of the statements I found while studying this week was from Warren Wearsby, and it'll be up on the screen for you. It says, he said this about this, this same verse here. It says, It is a wise Christian who first assesses the condition of a person's heart before sharing the precious pearl. It is a wise Christian who first assesses the condition of a person's heart before sharing the precious pearls. you got to read the room. You can't come in swinging like a heavyweight boxer, expecting to land punches and, and somebody just looking and going, hey, I don't even know what you're talking about. You can't throw the salvation story and the gospel in front of people when they've never heard of Jesus and expect those to land every time. You got to be able to read the room. You got to know when that conversation's right. You got to be willing to step through those doors, but you got to wait for that door to be open. But too many times we want to be like the task force and we come in and we're kicking that door open saying, hey, the time is now because I know you're here. Jesus doesn't do that. You're going to see in the, the next part of Scripture that we'll go over next week, He's not doing that. He doesn't come in and bust open the doors. No, He just simply knocks. That's all He does. He says, anybody home? Will you open up for me? 
Are you willing to let me in? He didn't come busting doors open. That's not the model he set for us. See, the thing is, Jesus approached all the people that he reached in different manners. Sometimes he did it through healing people. Sometimes he did it through conversations. The the woman at the well, he talked about water. He talked about something they had in common to show her a greater need that she had. The woman that was called in adultery. (laughs) Uh, That whole story, we've talked about it. That whole story is all wrong. But he didn't just come in with the condemnation that all the other religious people did. He looked and said, hey, where are your accusers at? Because I asked them to examine themselves first. You can watch how Jesus encountered people in Scripture, and he did it differently almost every time. He didn't have a a prepared sermon. He didn't have a speech that he had written down where he would walk in and go, hey, you know what, this is what you need to hear. No, he looked at them, he saw them for who they were, and then he took that opportunity to say, hey, here's the common ground that you and I have. And through that common ground, I want to show you a greater need that you have. He examined the room. He saw where people were. He didn't force it. He simply walked through the open doors that were presented in front of him. The thing is, the church could learn a lot from that today. We could learn a lot from that today. My desire is that Highland Baptist Church is seen as a judgment-free zone. My desire is that anybody that walks through these doors feels loved and welcomed. Not because they look like us, not because they act like us, not because they've already got a relationship with Jesus, not because they're doing everything right. I want them to come broken. I want them to come searching. I want them to come looking for something that we're advertising, which is hope and peace and joy and love. I want them to come knowing that no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, they can find acceptance here because of who they are. I could go around the room and ask you about the darkest part of your past. And most of you would say, Josh, I'm not, I don't want to share that. We've all got those secrets. Some of them have become public, whether we wanted them to or not. Some of those are hidden so far away that the person sitting next to you doesn't even know that it's a thing. Some of those secrets are, are, are so much that you would look and go, if those things got out, everybody would view me differently. And you look and go, hey, I just want people to show me some grace. There's a world out there waiting to be shown grace by the church. To be shown an opportunity to walk through the muck that they're walking through and see that and go, hey, you know what? There's still an opportunity for me. I'm sure you've run across it, but I've run across so many people in my life that said, you know what? I've done too many things wrong. There's no way he could love me because guess what? My family doesn't even. There's no way that he would be a good father to me because my father kicked me out a long time ago. 
There's no way that he could be that savior for me because, you know what, I've done so many things wrong that right now I'm just trying to hold on. When the reality of it is, and we know this, if we have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. He still says, hey, come home. It doesn't matter what you've walked through. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. It doesn't matter if you can lay it all down right now or if it's going to be a process of laying that down over and over and over again. He still says, hey, I created you and I loved you enough to die for you. Many of us in this room have experienced that. But there's a ton of people outside these walls that need to hear that same message. But unfortunately, so many of them don't see it. Because when they finally get that courage to walk into a building that is a church, they don't look like us. They're not clean, they're not well dressed. We know their issues already because, hey, it's Molino. Word travels fast. Y'all know that. So they walk in and their issues are already on display because, hey, we read about it in the paper. But I think what Jesus is asking us today is saying, hey, if I can get them to come inside those doors, I just want you to give them a chance because I'm willing to. I just want you to give them a chance because I already have when I died on the cross for them just as I died for you. Show them that love that you get from me. Introduce them to that relationship. He said, I don't care what they look like. Why should you? That's the reality of what he's asking the church to do. And it's a lot easier for us to do that when we worry about what's in here than worrying about what's out here. So today I'm asking you to do something that God's been asking me to do, something that I've been praying through as well. I'm asking you to examine yourself. Are you busy calling out the small spots in somebody else's life while you got that big old log in your eye? Are we busy pointing out other people's faults and failures without dealing with the things that are in our closet? This morning we'll have a time of invitation. And what I want you to do is I want you to examine yourself. For some of you today, that may mean for you to truly see who you are in Christ is you've got to walk into a relationship with Him. Because you're saying, hey Josh, I don't have that hope. I don't have that peace. I don't have any of that. Because I'm still holding on to all my stuff. I've not given that to Jesus. Because I didn't know that he loved me. Like you said he does. Well he does. And this morning he would love for you to say. I want forgiveness. Here's all my junk. Here's all my baggage. Take that from me. And you be Lord of my life. He wants to hear that from you today. But maybe you're saying. Hey Josh I've done that. But maybe this morning there's still some more baggage that you found tucked in the back of that closet that you forgot all about. Maybe it's one of those boxes that's still wrapped up, it's still taped up, and maybe you made some notes on the outside of it from the last time you moved, but you hadn't touched that box in a decade. 
So you really don't know what's in there. Or for some of you, maybe it's been 30, 40 years since you touched that box. And you're like, Josh, I really don't even know what's in there. But for some reason, Jesus is showing me that box this morning. Maybe he's asking you to finally open it and give him what's inside. Maybe he's telling you that you need to plant your roots here at Highland and become a member of the church and start working and serving alongside his people because this is where he's called you to. I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning, but I hope I'm not the only one that he's talking to today. And my challenge for you is whatever it is he's saying to you, Are you willing to respond to Him? Will you take that step of obedience? Whether that's to come and pray on the altar, whether that's to be where you're at, and you just need to lay it at His feet. Maybe that's coming forward and accepting Him as your Savior. Maybe that's joining the church. Maybe that's saying, hey, I want to take the steps of obedience and be baptized. Whatever that may be. Only you know. Only you know what He's calling you to today. But he's telling us, just like he told Peter, he said, what does it matter what I'm asking everybody else to do? You follow me. Are you willing to do that today? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the challenge that it so often presents to us. And Lord, I know. I know that you'll use it. Lord, I know that you'll use your word to draw people to you. So, Lord, I'm asking for you to give us that courage, that boldness to respond how it is that you want us to respond today. And, God, whatever that response is, whether we see it or we don't, God, we promise to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise because you alone are worthy. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you receive your podcast content. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.